Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Cloud Council brought to you by Nutanix. The Cloud Council brings together business and technology leaders to seek their advice on navigating the biggest challenges and the opportunities in the industry. I'm Don Poloniki, and I'm the Worldwide Sales Chief of Staff at Nutanix. And today we're going to be talking about the world of IT migration to the cloud, the highs, the lows, the pros, the cons, the wins, the pitfalls. And I'm delighted to be joined on this topic by two giants of the industry, Isaiah Nathaniel, Vice President and Chief Information Officer at Delaware Valley Community Health, who also sits on the Forbes Technology Council, and by Will Fulmer, COO at Hellient Systems. Welcome to you both and thank you both for being here. So today, as I said, we're going to talk about IT migration to the cloud, the value of freedom to choose, and the importance of bringing innovation to the companies and how the cloud and cloud operating models can, can bring that to bear. So let's start with you, Will. Um, perhaps you could give us a little bit of an introduction to who you are, where you're, where you're calling in from, and then, uh, and then we'll kick off with a, with a question to get the conversation going. Sure. And, and thank you for having me here today. Um, my name is Will Fulmer. I am the chief operating officer and principal, one of the three owners of Heliant Systems. In my role here, Heliant, uh, primarily responsible for a lot of revenue generation for our organization, as well as the management and organization of company operations. Um, and my last 20 years has really been spent on the infrastructure side of the house, starting as an engineer, uh, working on designing elements around data centers, virtualization, networking, storage, disaster recovery, business continuity. And as I've grown and grown a team underneath me, uh, we've developed quite a practice in that area. All right, great. So we're talking to the right we're talking to the right persons there. So thanks, Will, and thanks again for being here with us. So let's start from the beginning. Um, you know, a lot of customers, businesses have been on this cloud journey for many, many years now. Um, that was that has been accelerated by the pandemic and digital transformation as a whole. Can you give us your perspective on the why? Why do companies and businesses have this uh, act, uh, appetite, this uh, this mandate in some cases to move to the cloud or to a cloud operating model. What's driving them in that direction? Yeah, we're really in the midst of a dramatic transformation of, of computing now. Um, most significantly, the sheer amount of data that organizations are dealing with, it is constantly year over year growing. Um, and companies are having a very difficult time trying to figure out how to cost effectively uh, manage and maintain that data. And that legacy model out there of budgeting and purchasing for large capacities of hardware, um, it's not financially and te technically sustainable moving forward. And that grueling process of forecasting and procurement, it, it's burdensome to IT. Um, and really, the IT departments today really want to get back to focusing on the business and within the business rather than focusing on the technology. And I think, as we all know, um, coming up on almost three years, that date of March 13th, 2020, when everybody looked at themselves very introspectively and the world shut down and almost every organization in the world scrambled to figure out how to provide servers and data and the access to the users that were now um, outside of the four walls of the company. And no longer was remote access an edge use case. This was, for some period of time, the new norm. Yeah. So here we are three years later. Um, Many organizations rethinking their office spaces, many employees not returning to the offices and engineers able to go to data centers. And those last three years have really greatly accelerated the cloud adoption. 
um, primarily for just that ability and agility to uh, produce new platforms and deliver rapid time to market. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And I think, um, you know, and we've heard lots of good industry pundits talk about it, you know, how the pandemic, as you say, has accelerated that transformation for good. And, uh, you know, I always like to say, hey, you know, you guys, the leaders in the IT world have been really a the unsung heroes of the of the last few years. So um, great to share your experiences. So let me bring in Isaiah at that point. Um, first of all, Isaiah, maybe you could give us a, a broader introduction to yourself and then I'll, I'll pick up the thread there from Will. Thanks for having me, Don. Will, it's a pleasure to sit here. Another Philadelphian. We're bringing you greetings from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania home of the cheese steak, the 76ers, the Flyers, and our Philadelphia Eagles. So, you know, we're excited in Philadelphia right now, but we're more excited to be talking about tech, talking about hybrid versus cloud. We're happy to be a part of Cloud Council as we, we continue to see the evolution, as Will was talking about, about what actually is happening in this field of technology and the field of hardware versus software, cloud versus hybrid. And um, I'm just happy and thankful to be here. Who am I? I'm just the Vice President Chief Information Officer for Delaware Valley Community Health, a 52-year-old FQHC who serves the underserved. And if you don't know what an FQHC is, that is a federally qualified health center. Our role and our mission in the healthcare continuity of care is to serve those who can afford it and so those who cannot afford it. And then we're made whole on that visit by a federal grant by HRSA. So for Delaware Valley Community Health, that's about 50,000 patients through nine locations in a 27-mile radius, about 158,000 visits per year and about 350 employees. And I'm proud to be the Vice President Chief Information Officer because as we talk about that date, that date, March 13th, 2020, my CEO came to myself and to our Chief Medical Officers and said, I'm not laying anyone off. So you guys got to figure out how we do this. <laughs> and so I'm proud that we did not lay anyone off. We went from zero to 100% in telehealth. We went from zero to maybe 60, 40% in hybrid telework. And I know we're going to get on to all of that, but I'm just grateful to be here to talk to you, Dom, and, and join Will as a fellow Philadelphian. Awesome, Isaiah. Well, I was going to mention the, the Super Bowl at the end, but you got there first, uh, and, I, and I didn't think I'd get away with it because you, you were always going to get ahead of, ahead of me, but good luck next week. Um, so, hey, thanks for the intro, and th thank you. Uh, I, didn't know, I didn't know exactly what, what you guys did until before today, so it's great to hear the, the detail and, and the humbling things that you do for the community and, and also how well you navigated the challenge that your CEO put on your, on your plate on that date that will be indelibly marked in your in your mind so let, let's pick up on that because you've been through obviously a tremendous journey here yourself and led that change um to pick up on will's point you know that data proliferation uh the you know obviously the the, the digital transformation that has been accelerated by the pandemic uh, that shift of the four walls that will describe in terms of how we're having to serve our workforce and to your point, a lot of those digital healthcare solutions you've had to bring to market. Give us a bit of the, the story of the journey. You know, how, how did that go for you? You know, what went well? What were the lessons learned? If, if you were to do it all over again, you know, what would you do differently? That's a, a very, very good question. I, I think for us, what it was is just understanding the market, knowing what our North Star was. Like I said, our North Star was 
we had 50,000 patients that needed us specifically during the pandemic. And when we close our doors, that doesn't mean our healthcare had to stop. We could not stop healthcare. And so from a testing perspective, from a vaccination perspective, we were one of the first FQHCs tapped by the White House to do the vaccination in Philadelphia because of the urban nature in which we are. But one of the things we did also find out is that our four walls, like you said, were no longer just to the buildings in which we own and or lease. Our four walls were everywhere. Our four walls were in the homes of our patients via telehealth. And so we found that some of the social determinants of health, we got better in because we can actually see inside the homes. We can say, hey, what did you eat this morning? And if typically when they were coming to the office, they say, oh, I had cereal or I had a bagel. You look into their home and you say, well, show me the bagel you ate. Well, I didn't really have a bagel. I had uh, cheesesteak and fried onions and ketchup. And so, you know, <laughs> some of those kind of good stories you get out of it. But then also some of the medical stories where you can see that a person that was coming in with high allergic uh, uh, situations and we found that they had cats in their house and the cats were generating their health issue. And so what, what we also wanted to, to see is that because our four walls were so extended, so was our data. Our data just wasn't in our applications. Our data was the patient's cell phone and all of the information that they were generating by their smartwatches or blood, Bluetooth and blood, blood pressure machines that we were sending home because we had to continue the visit. So data exploded, our four walls exploded, healthcare exploded. And then now we're gonna get into what actually falls from that. And I think we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, yeah, excellent. I mean, you know, great, great to hear about some of the innovations that, you know, that the last few years has enabled, uh, as you say, to get closer to your patients, understand your patients better and give them better healthcare provision. Not easy, as you say, with, with that with that data uh, challenge and, 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 you know, where it sits and the fact it doesn't reside in the application and, and close to... The infrastructure. So, we'll let, let let me bring you in there because you mentioned the same about data being one of the big drivers here, and it's only going to get worse or better depending on your perspective in terms of the scale, uh, but also you know the locality, right? And you know you hear Gartner talking about 2025, 50% of that data is going to be at the edge, right? So we're not talking about cloud, we're not talking about data center, we're talking about edge. What's your view on that? How can uh, IT leaders like yourselves get a handle on that and prepare for the future as it continues to transform? Yeah, I mean, that, that's true. I mean, you know, it, the the business used to be about, you know, the systems in the application and now it's all data centric um, and it's data centric. And it's also compounded by the fact that there's been this dramatic consumerization of IT over the last many years. Um, somebody goes out, you know, to their local store and they go and buy a brand new iPad, you know, and now they've got a, a nice graphically pleasing device in their hands and they're consuming cloud services like Gmail and Dropbox. I mean, they have it all in their hands and the companies in which they work for, you know, are stuck in the conventional ways of providing uh, client server applications and users need that ubiquitous delivery of data to any device, anytime, anywhere. And, and that remote user, um, you know, is really what's driving all the change in these organizations. And that, that's been one of those drivers for public cloud consumption of being able to deliver the applications, the data um, in near real time and, you know, not bound by supply chain issues, 
or personnel issues um, or the data center issues, and now being able to deliver, you know, at, at the quick of a dial, um, applications in near instant scalable solutions and providing that to the users is, that's a competitive advantage. And, and being able to have that capability of scaling out your data, keeping your data close to where the users are working and, and giving them a highly performant environment to work in. Um, you know, technology is now a differentiator in a lot of organizations and finding ways in which the users of that company can consume that data better, faster, cheaper, that's what's driving a lot of the innovation today. Got it. So that's interesting. Well, so uh, what you're what you're saying and what you've experienced is that cloud and cloud operating models has, has enabled the ability to handle that amount of data, but also make that data available to the users, to the you know, to the consumers, to the people to whom you're you're serving. Uh, that's been an enabler for you. Is that is that a fair summary? It has, and it's really sort of broken down those proverbial, you know, data center walls now to where um, organizations can provide geo diversity, you know, across cloud providers, across geographic regions, so the data can be close to where the users are working. And the pandemic um, has enabled many organizations to hire people from many geographic areas that they never were able to deliver those services in before. And and now IT has to catch up and order a way to facilitate all those users to work in the field. Yeah, so let, let's let's pick up on that point, Will, on on the kind of catch up, which is that's that's you know absolutely what we've seen, right? Is is that that uh, that ability to to be agile, to be flexible, to provision technology much faster, to get access to the data for where, wherever it resides. Um, again, cloud has enabled that. That's also created a different, you know, model for many IT environments, right? And how they manage it and how they kind of put the right guardrails around it, control costs, um, ensure there's not, you know, a shadow IT kind of uh, situation. So as I, you know, you're nodding your head, so I guess you've seen a bit of that. How have you managed that, you know, that complexity as you've seen the benefits of, of cloud adoption over the last few years? Yeah. <laughs> Complex is the right word for it. The system I had in 2018 is not the system I have in 2023. And that's because of what we just talked about. I think consumerism is driving a lot of this change. You can have, like we'll said, an iPad. You can have an Apple Watch. You can have an Android device now. If, if you're an Android level, we'll fight later. You know, I'm, I'm Apple ecosystem all the way. But you know, these devices are pushing organizations, IT and IS departments to be more scalable to ingest that data. And the scalability of your platforms are no longer just the hardware that's in your actual data centers. But then let's talk about the data centers. Are your data centers truly on-prem or in the cloud somewhere? And with a lot of mergers and acquisitions and the need for data at the point of care and healthcare or just at the point of any interaction, that is driving a lot of the distance and a lot of the change that we're seeing in our IT infrastructure right now. You know, what is our Active Directory? What is your login portals? You know, what, how are you getting your users into the system? Because your users can be actually in the office, out of the office, or across the country, but technology has enabled us to work wherever we are. And so you have to make sure that your endpoints or your connectors in and out of your organization 
are secure, are sufficient, and scalable with FAST being one of the top things that everyone wants to have right now. So we look at all of these things and, and total complex nature and figuring that out, I guess, is where the sweet sauce is, Dom. Yeah, so I, I, I think that's beautifully put, Isaiah, and I, and I think, you know, uh, what that means for you in terms of, you know, what you what you got to deliver to your internal and external users is choice, right? Because, you know, whether it's choice in terms of the devices that, that they need to or are demanding to use, the applications, and what that drives for you in terms of the multiple systems or clouds, et cetera, that you need to support, that's, you know, you've got to do it to, to have that competitive advantage, as you say, but you've got to do that probably within a similar cost envelope. And, you know, that probably means that you're looking at partners and providers that give you that freedom of choice and, and have technology that enables that freedom of choice. So what's your perspective vis-a-vis -vis cloud in terms of, you know, is the future multi-cloud, multi-hybrid cloud? And, you know, what sort of technologies and processes are you putting in place to enable that kind of flexibility and portability of workload application and data? That's to you, Isaiah. Sorry. No, no worries. So I, I want to point something out that you just poked out of me, and that is the patient and staff choice. Because my job is not just to serve the patients. My job is to search and serve our staff as well. And because of these two different profiles, you have to make sure that your systems are reliable enough that you do not cause what we're calling the great resignation. You know, a staff person can walk in your building, try to see a patient and the application doesn't start up, they'll leave out the door for lunch and never come back. You know, so you have to look at it from that profile. And then from the flexible nature in which you're talking about, I really think that a lot of people in my position are looking at the hybrid nature. Back in the days, back in the days, we would all talk about hot suites and having that secure white coat data center where you have to go in and make sure your static electricity is at zero before you walk in. Now that's really not the case. While we still may need those in some instances of disaster recovery, really what we're saying is that your data center can be anywhere and that your data center can be sparsed upon multiple different farms. So one of the things that has been revolutionary and the reason why I'm doing this cloud council is because those that get it right, they're getting it right at the storage level. They're not just getting it right for hardware. They're just not getting it right for software. They're combining hardware, software, and storage, and they're making that platform available not only to staff and patients, but to IT administrators as well, because we got to manage all of these different things. I'll stop there because you're getting me fired up. I'm, I'm, I'm Nutanix Cloud Council. I'm just excited. The Eagles are in the Super Bowl. I'm turning it back over to you, Don. Like, we'll answer it. Oh, no, I just want to leave the camera rolling on you, Isaiah. This is all good. So, no, that's, that's really interesting. And I think, you know, uh, you know that, that concept of engineering, you know, from you know, the top of the stack right down to the data layer is, is is exactly you know our principle and our engineering philosophy. So I'm glad to hear that that resonates. Um, Will, let's let's hear your perspective on that. You know, particularly about that the point about complexity, choice, having probably to do that within a within a sort of similar cost envelope. 
How are you seeing the sort of TCO of cloud and, and that complexity? And how does that come into some of your decision making? Sure. And I thought you were going to ask about my Eagles uh, love here. I also bleed green. Um, I'm trying to temper it for another 10 days here, but, <laughs> but also excited. Um, yeah, you know, the, the whole TCO model around cloud is very interesting. I mean, long gone are the days where it was really easy. We would try to budget in year one um, and, and all estimate with the customer daily change rates, average growth rates, throw it into a simple Excel spreadsheet and say, here's your total cost of ownership for um, the depreciation lifecycle of the device. And, you know, let's go to lunch and, and make this happen. And, and now more than ever, you know, because of economic conditions and, and just the, the entire world's environment, you know, organizations are very sensitive to those large capital purchases. And there's really been a move in the industry of trying to move a lot of that CapEx spend into OpEx, creating predictable cost models, lower upfront spending, and then being able to scale, whether up or down, um, parallel to the success of the business. And trying to predict a total cost of ownership in today's worlds um, with no guarantees around any, anything with regards to economic factors, company forecasting, um, you know, paired with all the substantial mergers and acquisitions that happen both on the technology side as well as on the organization side, it's really important for the businesses to have a cost model that they can put in their budget on a monthly or yearly basis and to, to have predictable IT spend. Um, so, so nowadays, when our organization consults with our customers and we're looking for a TCO, you know, we're really looking at a build it, buy it, or rent it model, um, looking at customers that still want to attain physical assets. Uh, looking at some of the hyperscalers and some of the offerings out there like PaaS or SaaS or IaaS, and really being able to deliver that true hybrid model um, with the best in class solutions. So there's some vendors out there that can do things better than others at a cost effective manner. Um, and we're really seeing a lot of that adoption. We're seeing a dramatic transformation both by customers themselves, as well as big pushes from the cyber insurance carriers that are saying, get your email out of your data center, move it to Exchange Online, move it to G Suite and, and take off that level of responsibility. And then looking at that total cost of ownership at a singular application or workload, it's pretty dramatic what that can do. Um, and, and, and we as well have been working with Nutanix for almost a decade now, um, back when there were 200 and something people there. And I myself was the uh, 32nd person ever certified on Nutanix. Um, you know, it's very, it's very interesting, you know, being able to look at um, pipe, uh, vendor agnostic decisions, being able to, to look at disposing of expensive hypervisor licensing and looking at native solutions for virtual desktops, micro segmentation, databases as a service. I mean, these were all design considerations that our customers were looking at a portfolio of solutions now we could have a single SKU, a single line item, be able to deliver everything. And there's some significant cost savings that are out there. Um, and, and that's really irrelevant to whether it's an on-prem design, whether it's running an Azure AWS, or really spanning all three clouds. And our customers are really appreciating that opportunity that they can have a known entity, but be able to flex some of their workloads into the public cloud. That's great, Will, and, and thanks for sharing. And, I, and I, I, if I kind of maybe, come to wrapping with a with a final question which is uh, and I'll start I'll start with Isaiah but I'd love you both to give your perspective in terms of you know the partnerships right that you're looking for to go on this journey and, and you kind of touched a little bit there Will on your experience I think what I'm hearing here is obviously technology innovation and best-in-class technology that's a given right that's you're always going to be looking for that 
Second, it sounds like, well, you know, that commercial flexibility, you know, and, and the models that your partners can give you, whether it's, you know, uh, something that doesn't require big capital investment up front gives you that flexibility. But it might be that it needs to shift depending on, you know, the dynamics in, in your company in the future that you might need different models going forward. So that commercial flexibility. And then I think, you know, Isaiah, Isaiah to your point about, you know, how how technology companies are thinking about the engineering of their stack, right, right down to the data layer so that, you know, you've got everything, you know, your full stack is optimized for a lot of these complexities that you're having to deal with. Is that, Isaiah, you know, kind of summarizing partnership to you or is it broader than that? I think that does summarize it. If I'll add to that, what I'll add is what my mission is at Delaware Valley Community Health as Vice President, Chief Information Officer. My mission that I tell to everyone is to remove access barriers by way of technology. And in order to do that, there's that old saying that my grandma would say, you get what you pay for, grandson. And what she meant by that is that if you're going to go cheap, you're going to get a cheap solution. And so for my patients, I don't care if they can afford a co-pay. I don't care if they cannot afford a co-pay. I'm going to put in front of them the technology that I think that they deserve. And that is why we selected Nutanix for all of our infrastructure. And as I talked about before, I was all on hardware prior to my migration. And I can't tell you how thankful I am for that scalability and the fact that it met my CapEx spend at the time. Because through a pandemic, you don't know how your revenue is going to shake up. All you know is that you need to provide a qualified and competent solution. That's the other thing, the competency of the solution. It isn't just looking at, oh, we can do this one thing special. No, we can do all of these things and then allow you the flexibility to continue to add to the special sauce. And so for us, we, we said, okay, here's who we think we should go with but how well do they partner with organizations like us? Are they looking at it just as a close of the quarter sale? Or are they looking at this as a true long-term relationship where we grow together? When we started our journey, we had seven locations. We're now up to nine. So my purchases have increased because of that. And so I know who I can call. I know who I can go to. And it's also budget neutral in some instances. So when I'm looking at the flexibility that I want with a vendor that's going to give me exactly what I need from top of the stack to the bottom, this is where I'm so excited and so happy. And I can get up today and be from my home office, not necessarily in the office, and still having a qualified conversation. So you're looking at a happy CIO right now, Don. Isaiah, great. Thanks so much. Great to hear what, what you're looking for in a, in a partner. And, and thanks for your continued partnership. Will, let's have your view on that. You know, I talked about some of the things you're looking for, but how do you see how do you see partnerships in the broader sense of the word? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, loyalty and brand reputation is extremely important. Customers and vendors sticking with known quality entities. Um, you know, but with all of the, the mergers and acquisitions that happen, it's really important to be able to have that freedom of choice. Um, you know, having technology stacks that allow customers freedom of choice at the hardware, at the software, at the cloud provider, extremely important to our customers. We had an example where we walked into um, one of our customers, a very large law firm. Most of our law, law firms do represent some of the largest tech companies in the world. And we had an incredible uh, solution for them. And they told us that they represent um, 
Dell and they can only put Dell into their data center. And a couple of weeks later, we walked away with a multi-million dollar solution with Nutanix running on Dell hardware in their data center and the customer couldn't be happier. And that infrastructure extends across multiple sites, discarding of expensive hypervisor licensing, using native capabilities for virtual desktops, delivering it to all their users. And that freedom of choice, you know, used to be for us as a consultancy, um, used to be a constraint or a limitation. Now we consider them design considerations. This allows us to give our customers options uh, when we're designing a solution rather than something, you know, a prepackaged SKU, something right out of the box. So we've really been very happy specifically with Nutanix as a partner, a loyal partner for a decade now, and have really seen this transformation from a startup to a hardware company, to a software company, to really now a multi-cloud platform. And we as a consultancy, our customers as well, love that ability to lift and shift their workloads, keep them happy and keep them um, really up to date with whatever their needs may be. That's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing such a great story and uh, thanks for being with us on that journey for over 10 years and, uh, and, uh, and you know, being a, being a believer and uh, number 32 certified Newton in the world. That's, uh, that's great, great to hear. So thank you both uh, for your time. Uh, and most importantly, good luck next week to the Philadelphia Eagles at the Super Bowl. Uh, great to hear all that energy and excitement for next week. Uh, thanks again. I appreciate your time and your insight. It's been fantastic to have such, uh, such insightful guests with me today. And thank you to my audience. Thank you all for joining us today. Um, please come back again soon and make sure you check out previous episodes of the Cloud Council on Nutanix.com forward slash CXO, or you can find them on Spotify and iTunes. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.